Fine, bruchim aboyim, everybody. We'll discuss tonight, Be'ezer Hashem, something which looks like a detail, but as is usual in Torah, emerges to be an Inyan Kalali, a fundamental Yisoid in Kabbalah Satayra that we're about to experience once again in Tavshin Ayin Hay. In Parshas Yisrael, in the Parsha of Matan Torah, which is going to be read on Shavuos, Parsha of Aseris Hadibris, you have it in your first source, Shmois Perik Yutes. So Hashem tells Moish, she gives him what's known as Mitzvah Hagbalah. Very strong caution against anybody, human being or animal, touching the mountain, ascending the mountain, even touching the edge of the mountain. Once the trumpet is sounded, once Matan Torah is over, then the mountain is free for all as it is still today. Harsina, you can go up with your camel and enjoy the mountain. It's hard to believe that this mountain uh, really transformed the landscape of history. But till that point, nobody touches the mountain. Fine. Then the Pasuk continues a few Pesukim later, Pasuk Chav. Hashem comes down on the mountain. He calls Moshe by Yal Moshe, and then Chafal by Yomer Hashem al Moshe. Raid Hayd Bam, go warn the people, the nation. Pen Yersul Hashem Lirays Venafumim and Urav. They may, they make want to come to see Hashem, and they will be, they will many will fall. Vegama Koyanim and Igashim al Hashem Yiskadashu Pen Yifritz Bam Hashem. Even the Koyanim should remain. And stick to the boundaries. So this is a repetition. He already said this a few psukim. Ba'ariches tell everybody not to touch the mountain. Nobody should come close. Now he calls Moshe and he says it all over again. So Moshe says, The nation can go up to the mountain. You already told us. You already warned us. You already cautioned us. To create a gvul, to create a boundary near the mountain, to create it, to create a kedusha around it. I love Hashem. So Hashem responds, and for the third time, He says, "Lech reid valisa atav aron imach va'koyinim v'om al yersu lalus al Hashem pen yifritz bam vayered moshalam vayemer alei." Moshe says, "They can't do it. You already told us." He says, "Go down. You and Aaron come up." Tell everybody not to come close because it can spell disaster. So Moshe goes down and he repeats the commandment again about Hagbola. So all the Mepharshim, many of the Mepharshim, beginning from Rashi, all the way down throughout the generations, struggle with this exchange. At first glance, it seems that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling Hashem, you already told this to us, mission accomplished. They can't, they can't. Why? You told us already. What was Moshe thinking? Was Moshe thinking that Hashem did not recall what he told him? Even with a human being, it didn't happen 20 years ago. 
It's all in the days of the beginning of Sivan. So what did Moshe really think? That Hashem didn't know that he warned him already? He knew that he warned him. He knew that he told him. Now he's telling him again. What's Moshe exactly telling him? Lo yuchal, they can't. First of all, what does it mean, lo yuchal, they can't? They could, they won't. But what is Moshe's response? Hashem says, go down and tell them for the second time, MS. So Moshe is saying, they can do it because you already told us. I know I told you. I'm telling you anyway. Rashi Taka says, that's pshat. Rashi says, You warn people before, and then when it's happening, you say it again. Moshe couldn't grasp that. And he says, what are you doing? You forgot, but you really think Hashem doesn't know? And what does Hashem answer him? He just says, go down again, lechreit. There seems to be that there was a hashkafa here. Shem says, Come, ruin the people. Moshe does it. Comes back up, tells them again. Moshe says, they can't. It's pointless. I don't have to tell them. Shem says, go down and tell them anyway. What was Hashem's Ashkafa? What was Moshe's Ashkafa? What was Moshe thinking? Hashem is telling it to him again. Knowing that he told it to him once. <coughs> So let's learn a shtickle from the Ragachave Gon. Ragachave Gon, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, in the Sefer Tzafnas Paneach on Chumash, in Parshas Yisroi, has a shtickle. I cut out a few pieces from that shtickle because it gets very, very complicated. And he goes into other sugyas. And I wanted to stick just to this sugya, that's why there's three dots at several points. Says the Rakachava, let's see inside. La Yuchala Amlalis. Listen to what he says. His kvetch is on the word La Yuchalha Amlalis. The nation can't go up. Not that the nation won't go up because you warned them. They can't. What does it mean they can't? Of course they can't. Ritsoinoi Loimar. What Moshe meant was this. The Nekar Yetzir Haramilibam. The Gemara in Avodah Zoradaf, hey, you could learn from there that the Yitzhahara was uprooted from their heart. He's referring to here a Gemara in Avodah Zoradaf, Dalad Ahmed Beis, and the beginning of the Afeya Medalef. The Gemara says there, Loi hoyu Yisro, Ruuyin loi Maisa, and Loi hoyu David roi loi Maisa. The story between David and Bathsheba. David was not really suitable for that story because it says, Velibi Cholobekirbi. He didn't have this Yitzhahara. And the Jews were not royal to the Chetah Egel. It was not supposed to happen. It wouldn't have happened. Elamai, what happened? So the Gemara says in Avodah Zarah, it was Xerus HaMelech they should sin. Kedei Liftoyach Pesach Labali Tshuva. Simply for the history, when somebody will fall and stumble and the person will feel hopeless. So if it's the Tzibur, You'll be able to tell the Tzibur, look at Klal Yisrael. They created an eagle after 40 days, but they did Shuvah and all was forgiven. And if it's a Yachid, you say, look at David HaMelech, what he did, and he was forgiven. So the only reason it happened was, to open up a door for Shuvah throughout all of the generations. So the Rakachavin learns out from this Gemara, Why? Because it was 40 days after Matan Taira. He says, Neka Yetzirah The kavana, the meaning of the Pasuk is this. 
The cold dover she'asur. Moshe was saying to Hashem, anything that's forbidden, ef she'lohem lasus klal. They can't do. Ve'loyuchlu klal begeder teva leilich l'sham. So mitzad their nature, they will be incapable of ascending the mountain. Loyuchalam lalus. Since you said it was asur, so Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Hashem, loyuchal. Naturally, they're incapable of going on the mountain. Because if it's forbidden, Moshe's perspective is, you cannot do it. But then you can't do it. Just like a human being can't fly like a bird. Not because of a miracle, because the nature, his chemistry doesn't allow certain things. Moshe was saying, Isur has the same Hagdara. If it's Asur, so then, they can't do it. Gam nafkemina. The nafkemina is the Moshe loyada sheim asidim Moshe did not realize that they're going to change. It has to be, he wrote toys, he wrote with a, it doesn't mean toys, it means toysefta. It means toysefta. That even when they were saying Nasa Nishma, some of them in their heart were thinking about the opposite extreme. So that's why Hashem argued with Moshe and he said, No, tell them not to go up the mountain. What does he mean? He's saying something fascinating. Moshe says, they can't, they can't. It's an Isur, if it's an Isur, they can't. What does Hashem answer him? In Pasuk Chafalov, take a look. Hashem el I'm sorry. Moshe, in Pasuk Chafalov, Moshe says, Hashem lo'yuchal. What's Pasuk Chafalov? Hashem lechreid. Lechreid. Where else does it say lechreid? In Kisisa. He says, lechreid kishichis amcha. Go down. Because your nation corrupted themselves. So Chazal say, Rashi brings, Your greatness comes because of the Jewish people. They fell, you also go down. So the Rakachovis says, that's why Hashem uses here the same words, Go down and warn them. And also the first time he says, he says in Pasuk Chafalov, Again, raid. And then Moshe says, they can't. And he says again, Lech reid, egel. What's the connection? Why is this like Maisa Egel? Because this was the Machloikis. Moshe was saying, they can't sin. They're in a matziv. Once you told them you're not allowed to do something, they're incapable of doing it. It becomes against their nature. Hashem said, that's at the moment. But let me tell you about the future. The future is going to be very different. So Lech reid, go down right now. Just like I'm going to tell you one day by the Chet Egel, go down because of their Chet. That's why you have to warn them. One day there may be a situation that an Isur doesn't become something impossible. It's a choice. And because of that, it's important to tell them. The Rambam is Rabbeinu in Meir Nebuchim. The Hakoil Machmas Hachoyme Geder Ishe Zoyna Ein Sham. He discusses there that all corruption in a human being never comes from his soul. Mitzad his tzurim, mitzad his or her neshama, there's never an element of isur or corruption. It's always something external 
to the, to the tzura called the chaymer, which the Rambam, the brute aspect of a person's life, which is the gather of Isha Zayn and Mishlei Einsham. Where Moshe's Svada was that they're in a state, just like Adam before the Chet something that's forbidden is not something they don't want to do. It's something that they cannot do. And therefore he said, And the Rabbi Nishalayim said, There's another future going on, and because of that future, it's important to warn them. This Vart of the Rakachava that he says in his Isis, I saw that a generation earlier, the Chidusha Harim says a very similar Vart in Shavuos. The Rakachava was born in 1858. That's the same time when the Chidusha Harim passed away. Chidusha Harim, Reb Meir, Reb Yitzchak Meir, the first Gary Rebbe, he passed away at that time. The Rakachava was born then in 1850, he passed away in 1930. Uh, 1936, Tafir Sadiq Vav. So this is what the Chidush Yerim says. should be like creation. What's Pshat? Hashem said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. And the heavens stopped expanding from his, from his scream, from his cry. He said, and so it was. Since you told them they shouldn't, so they can't do it anymore. Just like creation. There's no such a thing. Hashem says, there should be light. And the light says, I'm not in the mood. Hashem says, let there be a sun and a moon. I'm not in the mood. I want produce. I'm not in the mood. I want the Yamsuf to split. I have a different opinion. So Moshe understands that that's what Kabbalah Satayr is. Rebbeinu Shalolim is giving humanity and the Jewish people a manual, a blueprint, how to live. So lo yuchal. He's incapable of doing it any other way. So Hashem tells him, lech ki echi tochen you're speaking from a too elevated space. Lech raid. You need to understand. You have to go down. You have to go down to a lower place. And you have to understand that it's not as perfect and impeccable as you imagine it to be. Because how will there be kiyam without pchir, without choice? And therefore they could go up. They could go up on the mountain. And therefore tell them not to go up on the mountain. Right? So Hashem says, Hashem tells a person, don't eat this. And he says, I have to think about it. <laughs> he says, don't speak these words, don't gossip. Maybe tomorrow, today, different. We have different opinions. Moshe Rabbeinu says, If this is the Tzivuy and he's giving chiyus to the person every moment, so how is it possible that the creature defies the very being that is allowing him to do that which he's doing in order to defy his creator. His very ability to be able to defy his creator is coming from his creator that moment. Moshe says, Lo yuchel. it doesn't make sense. How could he? He says, Lech In a place of Yerid, if you go down, you'll understand that you need Bechira. And because you need Bechira, therefore it's not a state of Lo yuchel. This was This was the exchange between the two. Now I want to try to explain... One aspect, at least, of what both the Tzofnas Paneach and the Chidusha Arim are saying in their own Oisius. So there's a Gemara in Mesechta Erevind of Kufamid Beis, 
It's a very uh, it's interesting, it's certainly humorous Gemara, as you'll see. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Sakt Rabbi Yochanan, If Torah would have not been given, Hayinu Lemeidin, we would learn Sneas Mechassel, modesty from a cat, Gezel Minimala, theft from an ant, Arayas Miyoyna, to have moral relationships from a dove, Derecheretz Mitarnagel, and intimacy from a chicken. Rabbi Yechim is saying, even if Torah would have not been given the foundations of how to live, if you would hang out in the zoo, in the farm, in the fields, if you would go to the unhabituated, unpopulated areas of Muncie, so Rabbi Yechim says you will be able to learn everything. From a cat, you would learn the Yesodas of Tznias, as Rashi explains. Probably some of you have seen this. I've seen this numerous times. It's quite fascinating. Where other animals have no issue going to the Beisakisi in public. And they don't have to think twice. At Yom Kippur, they might even do it on your head. And on your silk kapata. And beautiful strimal that you put on the covered kaparas. When it comes to a cat, things are very different. First of all, the cat will go into the bushes. The cat will hide. Not only that, not enough that the cat will hide. That people, that nobody sees it. The cat will dig a hole and uh, evacuate itself over there and then cover up the hole. You learn sneers from a cat. Theft, you learn from an ant. Ants work very, very hard. Not many of you study the lives of ants, but they're fascinating. They store. They store food in the summer. They work hard and they store away food for the whole winter. And the ants don't stop working. The labor the excruciating labor that ants do is amazing, and yet nobody will have the chutzpah to take away the food from another ant. The discipline and the sensitivity to another ant's property is amazing. Rabbi Yechelen says, all you have to do is study ants, and you'll know how to respect other people's property. When it comes to doves, so doves are loyal mates. Most animals, they can mate with many different, uh, many different ones. But the dove, as long as its mate is alive, it will usually not accept any other partner. That's why they have this expression, you know, lovebirds, or yoinim, einecha yoinim, and shahashirim, many times, because the loyalty of doves teaches us about arayis, about loyalty in a relationship. The male and the female will stick together, and the male will not accept anybody else, unlike most other animals. Finally, Relationships, Derecheretz means relationships, you learn from a tarnagel, from a chicken. And here Rabbi Yochanan elaborates. He doesn't just enter into a relationship. This first what's called pius. Pius means appeasement. You create, you create affection with each other. My Where do you see this happening by the chicken and the rooster? Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rav. This is what the rooster tells the chicken. I'm going to buy you. I'm going to buy you a cloak. What we would call a mink coat. That's going to cover you. All the way till your little chicken legs. As the Mepharshim explained. If you go in. to uh, uh, If you hang out with roosters and chickens you'll see. Before the rooster comes close to the kitchen, he starts flapping his wings up and down, up and down. What's pshat? So the Buddha says in the name of Rav, he's giving a message. And the message is, 
With me, you'll be covered, you'll be protected. I'm going to buy you a mink coat. It's going to be mamish, unique, chad bedore. And you'll be protected your whole body. After the rooster engages the chicken and she falls for the mink coat and they do what they do. So what happens? Suddenly you see that the rooster starts shaking his head up and down, up and down, up. And what is happening now? He tells her, Azoy, Let an animal come and remove the crest of this rooster if I have the money and I'm not buying you. In other words, the rooster says, I went bankrupt, I'm broke. I would love to get you this cloak. I don't have the resources. So in the beginning, he's flapping his wings, I'm going to get you this Gewaldike cloak, and at the end, the rooster is like, I'm telling you, I swear to you, I don't have the money. Sounds familiar. Read my lips. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. If I would have had, I would have gotten you everything. What should I do? I don't have, trust me. He swears and swears and swears, and that's the answer. Rabbi Yochanan says, this is how you learn. This is how you learn. You don't just come, Mazoy. You have to be befayis, you have to understand the person, you have to be sensitive to the person, you have to make the person feel good about the relationship. And this is the end of the Gemara. What's Rabbi Yechonon telling? What's Rabbi Yechonon telling us? What does he want the Jewish people to do with this Gemara? If the Torah was not given, we could learn it from a, from a cat, from an ant, from a dove, and from a rooster. We could learn the Torah. So why do we spend time in yeshiva? <laughs> we should go to these places and watch cats and watch ants and watch roosters, right? Which may, is sometimes not a bad idea to see how animals live because it's quite fascinating, it's quite interesting. Rabbi Yochanan is conveying a very profound idea. Zog Shabbos they stood under the mountain. It doesn't say they stood near the mountain. It says they stood under the mountain. Below the mountain. Hashem turned over the mountain over their heads like an overturned vat. A gigis is like a huge barrel. He overturns the mountain on their head. And he says, if you accept it, it is good. If not, this will be your burial place. How do you understand this, Gemara? So the reason we accepted the Torah was because we didn't want to be buried under a mountain. It's not a geshmaka way to end your life. The Mishnah says at the end of Tainis, Yoim matan is the chasana. Imagine a chassan goes over to the kale, he says, come. He puts her under an elevator, and he says, I want to propose to you. If you say yes, it's wonderful. The elevator shaft comes right down. So I ask you, even if she says yes, what type of value will this relationship have? What type of wedding is it going to look like? What type of marriage is it going to look like? What type of life are going to live together? What's pshat in this? Even if you can get it done, 
Toysfus asks the famous question over there, Shabbos Daf Peches. The Jew said, Nasev and Nishman, hey, Sivan. She already said yes yesterday. What are you putting her under an elevator for? If this Gemara is not understood, it can create a very big question. Was the whole Judaism forced upon us? The whole Torah, the whole Yisoyed of Yiddishkeit was basically forced upon us. If not, you're going to die. Some people take understand it, and that's the way they communicate Yiddishkeit to their children. That's the way they communicate Yiddishkeit to their students. That's the way they communicate Yiddishkeit to themselves. There's basically a mountain over your head. If you accept it, good. If not, paytek v'roscha. If not in this world, the paytek v'roscha, next world. If not today, it'll be tomorrow. If not tomorrow, in a year from now. So what type of relationship is it? It's a very weak relationship. It's not one you can enjoy or celebrate. Because the whole, the whole foundation of it came through such coercion, through such negative energy. What pshat in the Gemara? And then the Gemara Taka continues. The Gemara says there. Hadr kiblu b'meach hashvedish by Purim it says kimu v'kiblu ayehudim is kimu mashekiblu kvar. They affirmed what they once accepted, but till then my daughter Rab my daughter Rabba means when you make a declaration that something was coerced. Mikan my daughter Rabba loyrais and esht Purim. You know Purim was a thousand years later. So for a thousand years the whole Torah was not really neskabel ba'ava. It's very difficult to understand. <coughs> There's a lot of answers given for this. I want to explore today three answers. One is from the Chidushi Harim again, in a different shtikl. One is from the Baal Shem Tev, And one is from the Maral of Prague. In different words, they're saying the same thing. Not Mamar, the same thing, but it's Oyla Bekona Echad. Let's, let's, let's understand what Rabbi Yochanan is saying. So we can then appreciate how the Chidush Yerim and the Tzafnas Paneach understand what Moshe was telling Hashem. Lo Yuchal. Rabbi Yochanan is teaching a fascinating Yisoyed about Yiddishkeit. And that is, Torah is not superimposed upon the universe. Torah is embedded into the very DNA of the world. Meaning, Rabbi Yechelen is saying, If you study the world well enough, if you study nature deep enough, if you look at the universe and you have the ability to see what it is, you'll be able to reach the conclusions of Torah. What does this then mean? It means... That Torah is not in conflict with the reality of the human being or the reality of the world. On the contrary. If you would study and you would excavate the true nature of the universe, you would see that the universe itself screams out Torah. To put it in different words... It says in Ve'eschanan that Aseris Hadibris was Koil Gadol Velo Yosef. It was a great voice, Velo Yosef. What does it mean, Velo Yosef? So there's a lot of different interpretations. Like Pasak, Nechlech L'shivim Koil, L'shivim L'shoynes. 
In Tanchum, Emerish Tanchum, it says, Kalgadol Velo Yosef, It had no echo. Now, I understand Velo Yosef, it never stopped Gewaldik. Lo Yosef, it divided into 70 languages. Wow. Lo Yosef, it didn't add because it was infinitely powerful, so you couldn't add to the voice Gewaldik. What's the mile that the voice doesn't have an echo? A baskel. What's the advantage of that? So there was no baskel. Okay. I'm also speaking now and there's no baskel. Fine. That's the, the haflaba says to him, it's called God of Yosef. What does a baskel mean? An echo is created when the voice balances off a substance that doesn't absorb it. And because it doesn't absorb it, so it, so to speak, balances back the voice, and that creates the second voice, the basko, the daughter of the kol, the echo. When there's a substance, when the voice is absorbed in whatever the atmosphere is, there won't be a basko. Whenever you're in a place where the voice is not absorbed into the substance, so then it balances off, it creates what's called erchoiser, creates a basko, the second kol, the echo. What's the Pasuk saying? The Torah didn't have a baskel. Why didn't it have a baskel? Because it was absorbed. Where was it absorbed? It was absorbed into the very fabric of the universe. What does it mean it was absorbed into the very fabric of the universe? It means that Torah and mitzvahs are not superimposed on the world, but Torah and mitzvahs rather constitute the true nature and the true essence of the world. If that's the case, what Rabbi Yochanan is telling us is that a person has to be able to appreciate Torah from this perspective. Let's give an example. If a nutritionist comes and says, you go to a nutritionist, the nutritionist tells you that this food is hazardous for your body. This food is poisonous for your body. If you're going to eat this with your blood type, you're going to get sick. Let me ask you a question. Is that a law? Would you describe that as the doctor giving you a law? I would describe it as the nutritionist giving you a description of reality. He's not telling you a commandment. Do this and don't do this. He's describing to you the reality. This is what your body is like. This is what your blood type is like. If you want to eat in a way that will nurture your body and let your adrenaline flow and enhance your energy, so you should eat these foods. If you eat other foods, they'll make you heavy, lethargic, depressed. All of us know certain foods. They put you in bad moods. They make you heavy. They make you tired. They make you exhausted. They make you obese. And they sometimes make you sick or issues with your systems, etc., etc. Certainly you don't have more energy. You're more tired. You're more exhausted. So he's describing reality. What's the reality? Based on the reality of who you are, and you're not going to change that reality. I can't have your body. I have my body. You have your body. I have my blood. You have your blood. I have my chemistry. You have your chemistry. This is how it works. Comes Rabbi Yochanan and says, I want you to understand that that's how Torah works as well. We call it law. We say commandment. But essentially, Torah is really an ultimate description of reality and of Jewish reality. So therefore, every single mitzvah is really a description of who you really are and what you really need in order to maximize yourself as a person, in order to fulfill your ultimate being, in order to live your life to the fullest, in order to tap in to your ultimate energy, or in order to suck the marrow out of your life, if we want to speak poetically. That's what it basically is. Comes the Tzafnas Panech, 
and says, that's what Moshe was telling Hashem. If you gave an Isur, what's Pshat an Isur? You're not allowed to do it. What does it mean you're not allowed to do it? You can't do it. It's, it's your teva. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you here. There's a fire here. You're not allowed to jump in the fire. Well, a little child who doesn't have a kayach avchana, you have to tell these things. You're not going to tell an adult who's healthy, who's normal, who's dysfunctional. You're not allowed to run into that highway with as many, many cars coming. If he cherishes himself and he's mature and he's alert and he's normal and he's, he's, he's not chas v'shalom in a state where he wants to kill himself. So it's quite obvious. A behemoth springt nicht in fire. An animal doesn't jump into fire. A person doesn't jump into the fire. Right? It's, it's mitzad, your teva. Your teva resists it. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, The real gather of Isur is not... You want to do it. You feel you should do it. You have no reason not to do it. Elamai, I'm giving you a law not to do it. Moshe says, no, that's not Pshat and Torah. He's telling Hashem. It's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because it runs contrary to who you really are. Unless a person wants to dafka destroy themselves... Unless a person, Dafka, wants to be in a situation where they undermine themselves, they wouldn't violate an Isur. It's layuchalam lalois. So it's not just a din. It's not just a din. It's not just a halacha. It's a description of their reality at this moment. Layuchalam lalois. So according to this, we develop a certain perspective and how we can understand Torah and mitzvahs. That Torah Mitzvah is really the ultimate description of human reality and the ultimate description of the reality of the world, the reality of the cosmos. Ah, you'll tell me. I, I don't see how tefillin or tzitzis or the lack of shrimp or lobster or whatever it is or any mitzvah essay or mitzvah license. How is that an actualization of my reality? I can understand that potato chips, pizza, too much lasagna, cheesecake endless sugar, and black and whites, I could understand physically that it undermines my reality. Okay, so I may not have enough information about who I really am. Just like some people eat everything and they're completely clueless as to what their body is like. Some people may know their body, but do they know their psychology? Do they know their soul? Do they know their brain? Do they know their mind? Do we really understand the depth, all the layers of human nature? Torah is basically a manual, a blueprint of the ultimate human nature. So more than commandments, they're descriptions of reality. To give a simple example, it would be like a manual. You buy your computer and it comes with a manual. Who created the manual? The engineer, the one who created this machine, creates the manual. And the manual, he says, don't put the computer in this and this climate. Make sure it doesn't get wet with this and this liquid. It's a law. Yeah, it's a law, but it's more a description of reality. If you want the laptop, if you want the computer to function and to work and to be maximized, I'm just telling you, based on what it is, if you're going to put it here, it's going to be destroyed. If you're not going to be careful in this way, it's going to be destroyed. If you want it to function, maximize, this is the type of wire you use, this is the type of plug you use, this is the type of climate you use, this is what you do with it, this is what you don't do with it. How does he know? He created the machine. He knows the machine better than everything else. 
This would be the difference between all psychological systems and Torah. Because all psychological or philosophical systems were authored by people who study the world from outside in. Mashenkin Torah that was authored by the creator, by the engineer, who knows the person from inside out. So therefore, as a result of that, his perspective, his manual, encompasses the totality of the person he is addressing from inside out. And therefore, the mitzvahs of the Torah, whether it's mitzvahs essay or loisessa, are describing the ultimate reality of that identity and describing it in its purest and profoundest sense. I may like it, I may not like it, but if I don't like it, what am I not liking? I'm ultimately not comfortable with embracing my own reality. I may not like what my nutritionist or my doctor tells me about it, but... (laughs) I'm not liking it. He's not superimposing a law on me. Stop forcing me. He's not forcing you. On the contrary, he's telling you about who you really are. I once had a, maybe I should share this myself once, I don't remember. There was once a, a, a bacher, a student of mine, and he was struggling a lot with, uh, struggling a lot with Yiddishkeit. He was a violinist talented violinist and a very insightful a very insightful young man so he came to see me once and uh, we were schmoozing and he tells me that he really despises Judaism because it robs him from his freedom and he wants to be a free person and he says why couldn't God open up the Ten Commandments and say this, these were his words I'm the God who took you out of Egypt from a house of slavery. I want you to be free. And therefore, I tell you guys, chill out. And do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whomever you want. Those are my only four commandments. Whatever you want, wherever you want, with whomever you want, however you want. (laughs) He says, that would have been a normal God. I took you out of Egypt. I want you to be free. And I'm letting you be free. He says, what does he say? I took you out of Egypt. So what now? Oh, now you're going to become a slave. He says, at least in Mitzrayim, you can go to the bathroom. And Pare wasn't there. But by Jews, even in the bathroom, there's halachas. Even when you want to tie your shoelaces. Even when you're taking a bath. So he says, this is called freedom. This is called liberation. I want to be free. I want to be free. I don't want to be a slave. He takes me out in the base of to make me another slave. So I say, how do you learn Pshat and Prikiyavis? Al tikri charus ala luchus ala cherus. Charus is cherus. Ein lecha ben chern al mishaisa betal mataira. I said, what did the Chachamim mean? They could have done that. But they should have said, it's like an Abben Chayr. I said, but Talmud Tayyar, because you have to. You're not a Ben Chayr. Who said you're a Ben Chayr? Well, the Eimlich of Ben Chayr. Ella Mishoysek. And Nachan Ella. You can't be free only, only through. Come on. You know, they were intellectually honest people. They could have said, who said you have to be a Ben Chayr? You're not a Ben Chayr. Then you tell me, Eimlich of Ben Chayr. Ella me. Nobody else is a Ben Chayr. He says, you look even how Jews speak. You say, fry. What does fry mean? As a fry, eh? He's secular. What does fry mean? Free! <laughs> this 
This is a shaila that many young people have, not only young people, many uh, <laughs> older people also have it. And it's a normal question. If you struggle with this question, Bruchim Aboyim, welcome to the human race. These are normal, these are normal, this is a normal question. Tayag mitzvahs are serious. Be an Eved Hashem is nishta poshut azach. Kol masach l'shem shemayim b'chol d'rechechadeyu. So there's different perspectives, and we're not going to exhaust all of them. But I want to bring out one nekuda, what I shared with this boy that, that day. Angafal. I say, can I see your violin? It's a beautiful violin. He says, sure. So I take his violin. It was a lovely violin. A great violinist, great talent. Very edel a kid, edel a bacherel, sensitivity yeah, to music. You know, a genius for music. And I'm looking at the violin. You know the violin, you have the chords, and the chords were tied all nice and clean, and the music that was resonating was impeccable. So I asked him, do you mind going to the drawer, they're bringing me a scissor. It's a big scissor, sure. Brings me a scissor. I take the violin, I take the scissor, I put the scissor on the cord, and I start lowering the scissor. He says, Rabbi Jacobson, what are you doing? What are you doing? I say, look. You just spoke about the idea of freedom. What you don't like to be done to you, don't do to somebody else. Look at these poor cords. They're tied down so strongly to the violin. It's not fair. We believe that everything has a soul, even a cord. I want to cut it. Let them be loose. Let them be unbound. It's a beautiful breeze outside. We'll take out the violin. And the chords will dance in the air. They'll soar. And for the first time in their life, they'll experience freedom. They'll have self-expression. Now, they're slaved, enslaved. They're subjugated. They're oppressed. And I continue with my scissor. Stop it! I say, Why should I stop it? You say you crave to soar. And what about these poor chords? He says, you're going to destroy my violin. I said, how will I destroy my vi- your violin? By allowing these chords. Look how tight. They're miserable. It's abuse. It's pushed abuse. Look, they're miserable. He says, you can't do it. You'll destroy my violin. I said, how will I destroy my violin? What's going to happen if I do it? What's going to happen? He says, if the chords are untied, no music. No music will be heard. There won't be any music anymore. So I said, Hakshev, Tishma Mashata Medabilaz Necha. If the chords are not tied, there's no music anymore. I said, You just answered your own question. Every person is a violin. What did the Behuda Levi say about Yerushalayim? In Tsiya in Halaisish, Allah the Shlema Sirayach. Right? Then it was, it, was, it was used by others. But Rabbi Yudalevi says, I'm a harp to your melodies. Every person is a kin, every person is a violin. And you produce beautiful melodies. If my chords are untied and they're completely uninhibited, what's going to happen? My music, my music won't, won't be here anymore. And here, we come to a fascinating idea, and that is the only Yom Tov that has no date is Shavuos. Pesach has a date, Sukkot has a date, Yom Kippur, Shoshana, Chanukah, Purim. Shavuos has no date. The Gemara says, Pahim b'chamisha, Pahim b'shisha, Pahim b'shiva. 
Why does Shavuos have no date? The 50th day from Yitzhiya Mitzvah, from the counting of the Omer. Why does it have no date? The Pshat is, Shavuos is not an independent Yom Tev. Shavuos is the end of Pesach. What's Pesach? Zman Cheruseinu, freedom. You can't have Pesach without Shavuos. Why can't you have Pesach without Shavuos? Because it's not a Pesach. Why is it not a Pesach? So here, in Hebrew, there's two words for freedom. What are the two words for freedom? When you want to say, I'm going on vacation, what do you say? Freedom, vacation. How do you call Pesach? Zman? What's the difference between Chofesh and Cheirus? What's the difference between, in Lashon Kodesh, every word is precise. What's the difference between Chofesh and Cheirus? What's the etymology of the word Chofesh? Anybody? What do we do on Pesach, before Pesach? <laughs> chipus. Chipus, chipus, right? Chipus minei, the Gemara in Pesachim, Dav Zayin, you have to be boidik v'chametz. Chofesh comes with chipus, searching. Cheirus comes from which word? Anybody? It says in Perkiyavis, what does Cheirus come from? You remember? Choros, engraved. What's the difference? There's two types of freedom in the world. One type of freedom is, you know when you were a teenager, you said, I wish I wouldn't have to go to school. Or even as another, I wish I wouldn't have to do anything. There's a type of freedom you say, I don't have to do anything. I'm not accountable to my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my God, my rabbi, my religion, my community. You're free to do whatever you want. That's called chafesh. You know, most fights among couples happens on vacation. <laughs> Why is it? <laughs> a person that I'm free to do whatever I want. There's no oil. There's no yoke on me. Are you a free person? Yeah. You have no burden on you. But what happens now? What happens now? Are you really a free person? This is called negative freedom. What do I mean by negative freedom? Your, neg your freedom consists of the fact that you have no yoke on you. But what do you do with that freedom? What happens if now you become an addict. So you became a slave to your addiction. Are you free? You don't have the yoke of a boss, of a Rosh Hashiva, of a parent, of a community, of a religion. Fine. But could you be a slave to other things? You could be a slave to peer pressure. They once asked a 104-year-old woman. They interviewed her in the newspaper. They said, what's the advantage of living to this age? She said, no peer pressure. No peer pressure, right? You could become a slave to peer pressure. You can become a slave. You conform to the society around you. You conform to yourself. You have a terrible addiction to food, to alcohol, to gambling, to weapons, whatever it is, promiscuity. You become, are you free? You have no yoke on you. Nobody tells you what to do. But your worst, your worst addictive self, now that's the king. You became a slave to other things. So chayfesh is from the word chipos. You know why? You're searching for yourself. If you don't know who you are, you can't be free. You can only have freedom in the sense that you don't have anybody else. But are you a free person? What's freedom? Chayros, from the word charos. What's charos? Freedom means when you live a life in which you're true to your ultimate essence that's engraved in you. Chayros, that's freedom. Not negative freedom, positive freedom. To be free, you have to know who you really are. And when you're living that life, 
You're a free person. Now you're not a slave to your addictions, to your insecurities, to your fears. What if I become a slave to my fears, to my insecurities? I have no yoke, but I have the greatest yoke. My fear is my yoke. You typhus what I'm saying? That's choifish versus cheros. What if you have Pesach without shvuas? If you have Pesach without shvuas, you're free. You don't have an, you're not an Evet to pirate. But what do you do with your freedom? You're now a free man. What do you do with it? You have a body, you have a soul, you have a brain, you have time, you have resources, you have gifts. What do you do with your freedom? It's a big question. That's what happened on Shavuos. Martin Luther, if you follow, you're following the news in America now, not so exciting with crime. I'll tell you something. It may not be so PC, but I think Martin Luther King Jr. was a great man. I don't know how many of you followed the career of Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King was a great man. And he craved to give his people freedom. He made his famous speech, let freedom ring, let freedom ring. But you know what the challenge was? He gave his people Pesach. He didn't give them Shavuos. And that made the difference. He gave them a Pshtikl Pesach, civil rights, all good stuff. But he didn't give them a Shavuos. Choyfesh, without cheres, what do you do with that cheres? I'm a free man, I'm emancipated. And what's yet? So nobody tells me what to do. You know that day when you leave yeshiva <laughs> and you move out of your parents' house and you're a free bird? What happens now? Now, you, now? now happiness begins. And if somebody introduces you to stuff and now you become the greatest slave, you become an eved avodim, to every churban in the world, now you're free. You're the worst Eved because it's an avdus from within. Nobody can even take it away from you. That's the difference between chayfish and cheres. So I told this bacharol, I said, what happens is, if you don't tie down your cords, so your music is gone. All your beauty, we don't hear it anymore. We don't hear your music. You have such beautiful music. If you have no limitations in your life, if everything goes by you, if there's no red boundaries, if there's no red lines that you don't cross, your music will be gone. There's a fascinating technology of our time. It's called laser technology. It's a fascinating thing. They do surgeries through laser technology, right? You could split diamonds through laser technology. They go into your body and shift things through laser technology without a physical wound. What is laser technology? What is it? Every object in the world emits light. And the light is powerful. However, the light goes in all the directions. And because it goes in all directions, its power gets compromised. What laser technology does is, it harnesses all the light to go in one direction by limiting the expansion of the light in other directions, and therefore it unleashes its full momentum to the point that it could perform surgery. That's pshat. That's what Torah is. When you say Torah, the limitations of Torah, what are they? That all the light of the person should be able to be directed in a direction that shows the koyach ha'in soif of the person. It wants to bring out the laser, it's the laser technology of the world, to bring out the infinite power of the person. What's in a person? What a person is capable of. If my light goes everywhere, it's not limited, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Your true energy doesn't come out. That's 
This doesn't mean that every person who learns is a free person. This means there's no Ben Chayden Elamishaisa Batalmataira. Because what's a true Ben Chayden? A true Ben Chayden is Kharus Alaluchis, engraved. What's Pshat engraved? Engraved means for this you have to know who the person really is. So you have to have a description of reality, what the world is, Vasamenches. And when you have that description of reality, now you can live a life of freedom. The free person may work very hard, but if it's an expression of who you are, it's cheros. If it's not an expression of who you are, you may be doing nothing. Somebody could sit you down on a couch, give you food, say become a couch potato for 70 years, and you don't have to do anything. You're a free person, but you're the greatest slave in the world. Because nothing of yourself is coming out. Nothing of your true essence is being expressed. That's the difference of chayfish and chedas. That's why shvuas doesn't have a date. Because what's shvuas? Shvuas is simply the end of Pesach. It's the fulfillment of Pesach. It's Yom HaChamishim of Pesach. Zman Cheruseinu becomes Cheruseinu when the Jewish people were not only said united by Paroi, but let me tell you, let me give you a mandate. Let me tell you who you are. Let me give you a spiritual mission based on who you really are. So now when Hashem tells Moshe, when Hashem tells Moshe, go down and tell the Jewish people not to come up to the mountain, Moshe says, Lo yuchal. Lo yuchal. What's the record show of his lotion? He says, it's begeder teva. teva. An animal doesn't jump into fire. A Jew is not going to go onto the mountain. Why? Because he's in touch with himself. What does Hashem answer Moshe Rabbeinu? You're right. But people are not in touch with themselves, my dear Moshe. Lechrei. Who's in touch with themselves? Who's in touch with themselves? Last night I was at an event in Manhattan. I spoke to students. It was called the Kabbalah of Cheesecake. So they had endless cheesecake there, right? I was standing in front of the cheesecake. If I was in touch with myself, what have I made a mezoinus on the cheesecake? But who's in touch with themselves? When you're in touch with yourself, when you're in lech raid, people are not in touch with themselves. People are often alienated from themselves. They're in a slumber. They're asleep. They're not alert. They're a little drunk. They're not fully conscious. Even when we're conscious, we're not fully conscious. People are not fully alert. Lech raid and tell them, don't go onto the mountain. Yes, in an ideal world, the etzim of Torah is that if it's an isur, you can't. Why can't you? Because you realize that it's a betrayal of your very core, your very essence. Why would you do it? It, 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 it breaks every law in your system, in your soul. But lech raid. You have to go down and realize we live in a different reality. There's many concealments. People have blockages. And when you have blockages, you have to be told. So now, let's come to Kafaleim Harkegigis. So what's Kafaleim Harkegigis? He puts the mountain over their head. So what does the Gemara say? That by Purim is Kimo Mashekiblu Kvar. The oimek of this Gemara is this. Purim, they realized that that which you call kafa is not really kafa. It's actually your ultimate expression. When you don't know who you are, so you say, oh, stop forcing me, kafa. But that's because you don't know who you are. So for example, if there's somebody who has a certain condition, and as a result of that, I force them, 
to stay away from certain situations or to go into certain situations. If they're unaware of that reality, they'll say, stop forcing me, kafa. However, when you have clarity, suddenly you realize that what you once called kafa is really a whole different perspective. It's not kafa from a limited paradigm. It's kafa from another perspective. It's actually, it's, 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 the, it's the most healthy wholesome, freest thing you can do. If you would have just known who you are, you would have run to this. You would have embraced it. So now take a look at the Chidush HaRim Shavuos. Am I the only one who's boiling? It's so hot here, no? Huh? The heat is on or what? The heat is on. Okay. Okay. Why is it so hot? Is there air maybe in this room? Anybody knows? So the agabai da. So gelt. Okay. Vihine kolva yisyatsvu mashma shabatsmum ubiritsoinum hisyatsvu. Vayisyatsvu means they came. Vayisyatsvu doesn't mean somebody else put them there. So he says, when the Gemara says, it's and they went under the mountain. The hergish of the Jews was, their hergish was without Taina. What's Life is meaningless. It's Ephes Va'ayin. That's what they, that was their hergish at that moment. Their consciousness at that moment was Torah is not superimposed. Torah is not even a gift. Torah is not even voluntary. But that's life itself. That is actually a description of life itself. And that's why Moshe says, Lo yuchalalais. Mitzadat hergish. How can they go up to the mountain? Lo yuchal. What does Hashem say? Lechreid. What's lechreid? Doesn't always stay that way. So now take a look at what the Baal Shem Tov says. Keser Shem Tov Simem Emzayin. From Sefer Ben Peredes Yosef. From the Toldus Yaakov Yosef. Parshas Vayeshev. Hikshu HaToysviz. Lomu Hitzvah HaKadosh Baruch Lich Besar Kegigis. Amru Me'atzma Nasev Enishma. Toysviz says, why did Hashem have to do it? They said Nasev Enishma. Shamati Mi Pimoyri. So told us Yaakov Yosef says, I heard from my Rebbe the Baal Shem Tov. He was telling the Jewish people, listen, there's going to come a day you're not going to be in the mood. You're not going to be in the mood. I'm telling you, you're not always going to be in the mood. What do you do then? Do you force yourself to do it or do you not? You say, what's the point of forcing myself? You, know, you force yourself to do something you're not in the mood, you're going to hate it. It's not a relationship, it's fake. It's no kavana here. When you're in the mood of doing something, you do it. It's a chayas, a passion. 
to force yourself to do something that you're not in the mood is worthless. It's meaningless. So the Rebbeinu Shalolam by Matan Torah, Kofalim Harkegigas, he said, the essence of our relationship includes the moments of Kofa also. What's the meaning? What is the Bashemtiv? What is the Bashemtiv saying? There's moments when a person is in touch with their idealism, with their with their spirituality. They're inspired to live deeply, to love deeply. But then there's the days the person becomes numb. The person is apathetic. The person is uninterested. So at such a time, a person feels disconnected. So you act in a disconnected way. That's what you do. When he entered into the relationship with them through kafa, even though they already agreed. So why did he force them into the relationship? What he wanted to tell them is this. Our relationship is not based on the fact that you're consciously passionate about the relationship. That's not the basis of the relationship. The relationship is inherent. It's innate to our very chemistry. A person is a chelikalikamimal. So even when you're not in the mood of me, our relationship is as strong as ever. So you can act on it. Ah, you're acting on it and you don't feel it. Our relationship doesn't exist because you feel it. Our relationship exists essentially. This is who you are. This is who I am. We're connected. So if you're in the mood, great. And if you're not in the mood, it's vos. Kofalim to teach a Jew that thousands of years later he's going to wake up one morning and they're filled garnish. He feels nothing, nothing. So what happens now? Are they in a connection or not? So he's saying by Matan Torah he was Kofalim. Why? For this moment. For this moment I'm telling you that I included this moment of our relationship when I put the mountain and I said you have to do it. And you know why you have to do it? You have to do it. Now you feel you have to do it. Because this is who you really are. And because this is who you really are, so your feelings, Cain, Eloi, don't change the essential chemistry. To give a very simple marshal, I think, in, uh, in many people's lives, the Rambam always says, the Medrashim say that the marriage between a man and a woman is a reflection of the marriage between Hashem and the Jewish people. Every person in their marriage, not every person, many people, there's days that's a gate good. The wife is grateful, the husband is grateful. They're both happy. They want to give to each other, they want to be connected to each other, etc. There's other times they're cold, they're apathetic, they feel a distance from each other. Everybody just wants to do their own thing. And uh, in the majority of cases, it would be sad to act on these feelings of detachment because an ish and an ish are two halves of one soul. So therefore, at their core, they're one. So when you go into a marriage, you have to remember what Hashem told us on the day of our marriage with Him. Whether we're in the mood or not, we're married. We're essentially one. So therefore, even if it's a pchina of hiskafia, of kofale, it's the same powerful relationship. Because the relationship is not based only on a conscious feeling. The relationship is based on an essence. And this attitude could save many marriages. It saved the marriage between Hashem and the Jewish people. So that's the lechreid. The lechreid is, even when you feel disconnected, you're still connected. And therefore you need the attitude of kafa. And don't think that if it's going to be kafa, it's any less than matan taira. It's the same experience like matan taira. But matan taira was also kafa leim harkegegis. This is, I think, the oimek of a, straight, a very perplexing ma'aral. The last source, take a look. Gur ayyeh la ma'aral shmois yutes.
Bemedrish Motsas. This, uh, not everybody could say this, but the Maral writes this. He says he found it in Medrash. He put the mountain over them. So they became together of Anusim, forced. We all know the din of a ma'anis versus a mefata. Somebody who seduces, he seduces. Somebody who is ma'anis, somebody who violates, he forces somebody into the relationship. The Allah is if the woman wants, right, he has to marry her. And he could never give her a get. Says the Maral of Prague, when Hashem married the Jewish people, he knew there may be many reasons he's going to want to get divorced. So what's the Eitzah? The Eitzah says he was Ma'anas. If he was Ma'anas, so he's bound by the halachas of Torah. There's no get. A Kenish Geben can get. He's bound. That's why they said yeah. He said, I don't care if you said yeah. I'm forcing you. Whoops. I'm forcing you. So what happens now? The Maral writes in Gurari, in Parshish V'Yisra, he says it also in, in Netzach Yisrael, he says it in Teferis Yisrael, different Svarim of the Mara. Now I say, what's Pshat in this? What's, what's, what's Pshat in this? <laughs> this is Matan Teda. He's but I'm honest instead of a Bafata. Wow. <laughs> what's Pshat? I'm honest, a disgusting Bria. He's a horrible person. He violates a person, takes away their dignity, takes away their liberty. I don't have to be Maidech on this. So it's a knas. If the woman feels she won't be able to be, you have anything else, you took away her liberty, we take away your liberty, which is in itself a very profound idea. When you take away the liberty of others, ultimately you become the slave. We take away your liberty. Fine. So what's, what's, the, what's the comparison with the, what the Maral is making? But the Maral is saying something very profound that based on the above we can appreciate. And that is, it's not complimentary. But what happens here by Matan Hashem says, I want you to understand that our oneness is absolute. It's non-negotiable. It's essential. A husband and a wife are two halves of one soul. We're one. We're essentially connected. There's nothing you can do or not do that will violate that oneness. We're one. A mother and her child will always be a mother and their child if they're in speaking terms or they're not on speaking terms. If you have a son, you may appreciate what your son does. If you're a normal father, you're the father, this is your son, it's not negotiable. And therefore, by Matan Torah, Hashem said, you should understand that the Kafa Aleim Haikigigis represents what? That this is a relationship beyond feelings. It's not based on you say, I want, I want, we like each other, yay! What happens in two years? You're not in the mood of me, I'm not in the mood of you, okay, we get divorced. I want you to understand it's a matzav of kafa. So when you don't understand the word, you say, what's kafa? I forced you. No! Kafa means the relationship is deeper than emotions. It's an atzmi. You and me are one. Bemail, if you're in the mood, great. And if you're not in the mood, it's us. We're not one. We're not one. So if you're not in the mood, so you're not in the mood. So what? 
You're not in the mood of helping. Your son calls you, I'm in an emergency. I'm not in the mood. So you're not in the mood. Mr. Khatata. Let the Christian Meshuggah be here. Mr. Khatata, so you're not in the mood. What does it have to do? It's beyond mood. It's beyond feelings. Not because feelings are not important. Because feelings don't define the relationship. If they're there, awesome. And if they're not there, you're still be'etzim alakus. You're still be'etzim connected. That's why Torah Mitzvah is your reality. That's why the Baal Shem Tev says, even if it's a matzav of iskafia, that you have to brechzich. Don't get nispal. The relationship is as powerful as matzav Torah. It's a matzav of layuchal shalcha. From an external perspective, it looks like kafa. If you understand the pnimius of it, the kafa comes because it's essentially who you are. You're not in touch with who you are. So I ask you a question. If I need exercise every day of my life in order to be able to live normally, I'm not in the mood of it. I say, I'm not going to do it because I'm not feeling it. So you're feeling it. You're not feeling it. You're in touch with yourself. You're not in touch with yourself. The bottom line is that this is based on who you really are. And this lifestyle is going to be completely loyal and true to who you are. And the betrayal of it will be a betrayal of your ultimate self. I'm going to conclude with Hamaisa Shahaya, a very interesting thing. It's, it's, it's a little sad and a, a, there's an irony to it, but it also brings something out very deep. I got an email a few years ago from a, uh, a rabbi in Sydney, Australia. And uh, he uh, consulted me. He got a very interesting email from somebody in Australia. What was the nature of the email? person says in the email, he says, I live in Sydney. I don't like Jews. I'm a Jew, but I don't like Jews. And uh, when I was a teenager, I grew up in a very secular Jewish family. I told my mother, I don't want to date Jewish girls. Only non-Jewish. And that's what I did. And I married a non-Jewish girl. And we live a non-Jewish life. And we have children and they're not Jewish. And we don't celebrate any Jewish holidays. Not even Hanukkah. And not even Yom Kippur. Because I know when I die, my family will want to bury me in the plot of our family in the Jewish cemetery. So I bought myself a plot in the Christian cemetery so I could be buried there. The email is getting more inspiring with each line. So he says, Rabbi, now I have a question. Wondering what's going to be his Tifah Shaila? What's going to be the grace of Shaila here? He says, my question is this. I still feel Jewish. I want to know if in Judaism there's a tradition through which you could become not Jewish. Just like by the Baptists. They sprinkle water and they baptize you. Is there something in Judaism through which they can un-Jewishize you? Because I'm still feeling Jewish. Now, I think, it's, I think the whole Judaism is, is worthless and meaningless. I don't like them. I this, and that's why I left but I still need this tradition. Thank you very much for your help. I know this may be a strange question uh, for a rabbi to receive. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's a fascinating question from, from a confused man in Sydney. Answered him by email. Listen, Abid, I have good news for you and I have very bad news for you. The bad news is that there's nothing in Judaism for you to be able to do uh, this process of becoming not Jewish. I'm very sorry. As far as I know, there's no such process in Judaism. 
can't really help you. The good news is, which may also be bad news is, that you're as Jewish as Abraham, Moses, King David, Rabbi Akiva, Maimonides, and Rashi. You may not be as uh, educated as they are, <laughs> they were. You're certainly not as observant as they were, but you're as Jewish as they were. You're a Jew. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And if you need proof, read your email. You're saying that you don't believe in anything of Judaism, nothing. To the point that you're married out, you don't even do Yom Kippur, you don't even want to be buried among Jews, you want to be buried among non-Jews. Then, in the same letter, you want to know if Judaism has a tradition that will help you become not Jewish. But I want to ask you a question. If Judaism even has such a tradition, if the whole thing is blown, who cares? And yet you want to know from a rabbi, you don't believe in rabbis, if the rabbi can help you feel not Jewish through a tradition of Judaism, so you should be able to detach yourself from these people. And the funny thing is, you think you're normal. You don't even realize what's going on in this letter. So this letter itself proves to you that you're a Jew. <laughs> you're essentially a Jew. And since this is who you are, so instead of hating it for the rest of your life, why don't you learn to, why don't you learn to accept it? Why don't you learn to embrace it? Why don't you learn to, uh, to cherish it? And it reminded me, see that Dr. Tversky was once in an airplane and this uh, is dressed like a chassidur shayid. He had the big black hat with the square white beard he has, long black kapata. And this woman, a Yiddish woman, is sitting there. So she starts speaking to him in Yiddish. And she says, as tzulib did is the anti-Semitism of the Welt. Because of you, there's anti-Semitism. Well, the daf sein anders. You have to be different, dress different, speak different. Just integrate, look like everybody else. So he looks at her, and in a perfect English, he says, I don't know which language you're communicating in. I am Amish. <laughs> she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Hasidic. He says, no, 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 I'm Amish. She says, ah, I admire the Amish. <laughs> he says, why do you admire the Amish? She says, because you're a minority, but you maintain your heritage with such pride and with such dignity. Keep it up. So now it was his turn to respond to her in Yiddish. And he says, aha, if I would have been Amish, you love me. Now that I'm Jewish, you hate me. So I want to bless you that you should be able to appreciate in your own that which you appreciate in others. And... Uh, in my mind, you know, this really captures something very sad, but also something very beautiful about the Jewish people, about the Jewish condition. Shlomo Lekalbach used to say, when he started to go on campus in the early 50s, he says he meets a student, what are you? I'm a Catholic. I knew he's Catholic. What are you? I'm a Protestant. I knew she's a Protestant. What are you? Muslim. I knew he's Muslim. What are you? Buddhist. I knew. What are you? I'm just a human being. I knew he's Jewish. <laughs> Because it's, in many ways, Judaism is not a religion. Can you have a Christian who's an atheist? He's not a Christian. Can you have a Muslim who doesn't believe in Muhammad? He's not a Muslim. 
if Judaism was a religion, a Jew is not religious. What's the Yiddish? How could his kiddushin be kiddushin? He doesn't believe. He doesn't believe. But in, in, it's not like that. Allah, it's not like that. It's a fascinating thing. We call Judaism a religion. It's not a religion. If it would have been a religion, a person is completely not religious. So why is he Jewish? Judaism is not a religion. What is Judaism? Judaism is the identity of the soul. It's the identity of the soul. It may be religious, it may not be religious. It's the identity of the soul. It's a certain type of neshama, certain type of soul. He may be aware of it, he may be unaware of it. Even if he's unaware of it, it's who he or she is. And it comes out in certain moments. So now we could bring it all together. Let's bring it now all together and sum it up. So we started off with the exchange between Moshe and Hashem. The Rukhachavah says Moshe told Hashem if it's an Isur, they can't. It's Hepechateva. Hashem says, Lech rei, they're going to sin one day. It is going to become their Teva, they could sin like the eagle. Chidush Harim says a similar word. How do we explain it? So this is what Rabbi Yochanan tells us. That Torah is inherent into the fabric of the universe. Torah and mitzvahs is inherent into the fabric, the DNA of the Jew. Il malilaynit na Torah. So therefore, when you really understand who you are, then you understand Torah. Because essentially what Torah is, the manual of the Creator, for you to live a life true to yourself. That's the difference between Chayfesh and Chayrus. That's why Shavuos is the complementary of Pesach. If your cords are not tied down, if your cords are not tied down, the music won't play. It's not going to express itself. What's the Kofalei Markegigis? The Kofalei Markegigis is... Yeah, from an external point of view, it can look like fear. At Purim, they were margish that it was the greatest. It was the, it was the greatest thing. It was the opposite of fear. Then they were margish that without Taita, there's no life. This is life. Taking away Taita, it's like betraying your core, betraying your soul. Comes about Shemtiv and says, "What's kafalin? That even in a moment when you're gonna have to have a skafia, don't worry. By Matan Taita was already kafal." To teach you that the relationship transcends consciousness. It's inherent. It's essential. So even if you're not in the mood, you still want. Still do it. And the Mela, the Maharal says, Why Because the idea of Kafa represented that our relationship is essential. And therefore, no matter any situation, we remain one.